0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled b a b b e l. dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Babbel, I wanted to talk to you guys about the MLB Roto Baller Challenge, hosted by our friends at Fantrax and Fantrax.com. Fantrax is the most customizable free fantasy baseball platform in the industry. And that's why we're hosting over our 2022 Rotoballer challenge over on Fantrax. If you want the greatest fantasy experiments, sign up for a free Rotoballer challenge team today by going to rotoballer.com backslash challenge. All leagues are free to join and you get to compete against Roto writers and readers for a shot at $500 cash grand prize. All new Fo- Fantrax users get entered into a free giveaway to win a signed official MLB Wander Franco jersey. If you want to get entered to win a Wander Franco jersey and you're new to Fantrax, go to Fantrax.com backslash Bubba and sign up for your free Fantrax account today. Once you have your Fantrax account, go to rotaballer.com backslash challenge to join the challenge league. But go to Fantrax.com backslash Bubba to create your Fantrax account. Be entered to win a Wander Franco autographed jersey. But for now, welcome to Benched with Bubba. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 447. We continue on our baseball talk because we actually have baseball. It's official. Like, I got off the air with Matty Moe yesterday, and we were sitting there, like, talking. And literally, first thing I do when I open up Twitter, it's like they're exchanging stuff, like, quickly. Like, it's actually kind of looking like a a conversation all of a sudden. So we've got baseball, and what makes it even better is that means we have DFS and Season-Long Baseball, which makes this scheduling like just meant to be, this rescheduling, I should say meant to be, to have a great friend of the show, a great friend of mine. We used to do many shows together, but uh, scheduling and families make things complicated, and he's got a big website now. He's doing big boy things at uh, paydirtdfs.com. You can find him on Twitter at paydirt underscore DFS, the one, the only, James McCool. How we doing, my friend?
2: dude i'm doing pretty well uh yeah
1: i i did not even realize
2: this is episode 447 for you i mean that's like i don't think i could do 400 episodes of something if i had been born in like 1942 that's so many episodes
1: yeah, that's just this show. Like, if I wanted to count the other shows, i it's it's a uh, i i spend too much time on my microphones, apparently. Sanity,
2: but yeah, I'm I'm doing good, man. Um, lots of lots of big life changes over the last couple months, and over I mean over the last year too, right? I mean, yep. having having our first child, and he just turned one. Um, you know, two weeks ago, so uh, now have a toddler, and he's gigantic. We were talking before the show, and. Um, he is one year old, but he's already well into 2T clothing. He's just a gigantic baby. You know like that nightmare baby that people like make fun of that's yep. just like giant? Yeah, that's, that's basically him. He's huge. Um, we live in Nashville now. We, we live, well, Tennessee. We live farther away now towards the East Coast and um, getting used to that and yeah. Baseball starting back up. That's huge because we were, you know, super worried that baseball wasn't starting. And I love baseball. You and I both know that I love baseball as a, as a DFS sport and as a fantasy topic um, just because the modeling is so fun for it. And, and it's one of my favorite models that built. So happy to have that back. And yeah, I uh, I have a site that I've been running for a while now, paydirtdfs.com. It was paydirt.ghost.io. Um, and then I closed that host down because I didn't like the membership opportunities. Like the, the membership stuff was weird on it. So I moved over to WordPress and built rebuilt the site back up in WordPress. So now everything is over there. So if you know me from the ghost.io site and you haven't checked out paterTFS.com, um there's daily, weekly and monthly subscription options that you can have. And if you want to sign up for monthly, um there's a coupon double dong, all capitals uh, for, the, for the baseball season starting up we get you $10 off your first month um, if you want to try things out. And, and like I said, I cover every single sport. So it's not just baseball included in that. It's every single sport.
1: Yeah. And uh, if you follow James on Twitter, you, you see there's, they, he's got a monster Discord. I believe it's Discord, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and um, like the people are always in there. And James crushes the... Uh, i'm gonna sound bad here because i know it's okay, actually I remember the esports game i was gonna say video games go. esports games uh he crushes though like his members are always posting like massive screenshots and one thing with james i think what always was fun recording when we did um football together for so long is um he's he's got the brain for the models where i'm just kind of like Let's just kind of plug and play things, and so like esports, and then baseball because it's so long, you can kind of accumulate stats and and when I, even NBA because you can kind of look at playing time projections, mm-hmm. like those just fit right into James's models, and he he's always tweaking them, he's always doing projections, and um his his people do pretty darn good. It's pretty darn it's not, and it's not all the fluff you get from other sites, so uh it's not just saying it because he's a friend. I'd say check it out. It's it's worth it worth it for sure.
2: Yeah, I I really really put a lot of emphasis on helping people because uh, i'm not in it to make a bunch of money you know if i wanted to make a bunch of money then i would just play DFS. but i like helping people i like teaching people how to play i like putting things together for people to go find success on their own so that's that's always been my thing and um that's why i do every single sport that's why i build the models that i do and yeah especially esports um you won't find better projections anywhere in the industry that projections over peter are better than anything you'll find and i think my baseball model is certainly fantastic especially the game level side and, and the strikeout projections and stuff like that there's a whole bunch of stuff we'll, we'll go over it on the podcast but um yeah i'm just i'm really really excited to have baseball back because it is a sport that i think modeling and when you say oh he has a brain for modeling it's like i have a brain for modeling and i also have like a good understanding of how to build a good lineup versus the bad lineup yes like when i coach people um, it's very easy to see in the first like session, even in the first session, you you can see some lineups they build, and just like it's hard to grasp certain concepts. But it's once you work through it, especially for baseball, one of the reasons why I like baseball is because you can really tell a good lineup from a bad lineup. Mm-hmm. In NBA, you can't. I, I mean, yeah. straightforward, you can't. In NBA, um, a really really good lineup is gonna look as as solid and as high upside as like. A median good lineup and a great lineup is going to look like um, a pretty good lineup. You can tell you can tell a bad lineup from a good lineup. There's a large gap there in NBA, but you can't tell a good lineup from a great lineup. So much of it is just variance. But in baseball, like you can really, really tell. In esports, you can really, really tell if somebody knows what they're doing and knows how to put together lineups and and can think through the concepts involved there. So that's that's why I like baseball the most, and that and that's why my subs have so much success in those sports that are correlation based and that are very math based because you can tell like people can build better lineups in those. I think that there is a larger skill gap in those kinds of sports.
1: Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. And that's like, even you can take it to season long as well. I've been telling people like this year and my drafts I've been doing, it's, more about roster construction for me than just like looking at, you know, this player's cool, which you can then take back to DFS. You're like saying building the right lineups. It's like there's a different mindset to to putting the the right pieces in play there. If it's an ownership thing, if it's a projection thing, if it's both, like depends on how you want to to go about it. And um, you, you, you've got a great brain for that. That was one of the really fun parts when we were doing the football and talking about like why you would say like, okay, this guy is sure. He's probably going to be the better play, but – ownership wise and potential projection like you know max projection upside mm-hmm. i'm going this route and this is why and blah 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 and it, it makes so much sense when you're able to grasp that concept and, and we talk about it and we will talk about it more some people just have a hard time grasping that because it doesn't feel good sometimes like the lineup just doesn't mm-hmm. like look aesthetically pleasing to them because and, and those are the people that live in the mid-cash world and it's like if you want to win the gps you've got to be willing to go out there and look at the grand picture and before we get into a little more of that uh something that talks about your lineup construction and stuff along those lines you wrote a book with uh bender why don't you plug that real quick
2: yeah uh we've had this out for a while but we have an audio book uh called theory of dfs if you go to theoryofdfscom masterclass uh it's a 14 hour long seminar type book i i mean blender and i um blender hd who you guys know um jordan cooper him and i wrote it out and at first we were writing it in an actual book form. And then we decided it would be much better to have it in kind of like an audio back and forth type podcast type thing. Um, It just makes a lot more sense and people can, can work through it a lot easier. It goes over every single concept you could possibly need to find success in DFS. It goes over, um, goes over roster construction. It goes over how to build projections. It goes over how to look at range of outcomes. It goes over all the math involved, but it's not super mathy. Like I want to point that out. It's not like, we're throwing formulas at at you. The only formulas that I think really were in there that I talked about were like we went over the formulas for expected value, and we went over the formulas for Kelly criterion. But outside of that, a lot of it is kind of trying to put together examples that make a lot of sense that people can grasp and then apply it to DFS. And I I, I have not heard a single person who has bought it and said that it was something that didn't help them i've only heard good things which is awesome cool great that's that's the goal but um i i do seriously suggest that anybody who wants to get better at at dfs and at skill games in general go pick it up and listen through and listen through it
1: multiple times because it's it's a lot of content it's really really good and we, we put a lot of work into it yeah definitely check all that out um we've talked about it before but for the new listeners or some just wanting to recap we're going to kind of go over our, our dfs like how to you know the cash-first GPP mindset and, and stacking and stuff like that. And then we'll dig into your site as we go. So let's just have some fun here. You don't like to play cash a ton, do you? Um, not, not as often. It's boring. Yeah. yeah, it's boring.
2: So I play when I play now. Um, I used to play to make money, like like everyone on the planet started out playing DFS because they wanted to make money. And now I play mostly to test my models and kind of like have a little bit of skill expression, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. some people like to go to the movies and spend 25 bucks and go to the movies. Some people like to go out and do this or the other, go to, I don't know, the aquarium or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to, to build lineups and test things out and, and try things out. And that's, that's my entertainment sometimes um, because like we have a kid, we can't go out every night. So yeah. I, I like to do things like that. And um, cash games are, while they are a good part of the portfolio, if you are trying to grind out money and actually make money over the course of the season, I do always heavily suggest that people play cash games to mitigate their losses and GPPs. Mm-hmm. But um, if cash games are not your vibe, uh, I totally understand. I the Cash games are fine. It's just, they're, it's boring. Like the, the lineups that you build, you look at them and you're just like, oh yeah, this is just what everybody else is going to build. And then you just put in a lineup and just, You just go with it, and there's just no skill expression
1: to it. Yeah, no, that's the – like, NFL is the worst at it because it's almost like it's a 1v1 at times to kind of make things work out, and that's just like wanting to pull out teeth. But, uh, you know, you can still definitely – like you said, you can build a bankroll, maintain a bankroll, but you're not going to, you know, retire on cash games type situation. and, and I build cash games in a very, very unique way.
2: Uh, most people will go over and they'll use optimizers and they'll they'll optimize things out and try to find the best projection combo. Um, and I actually prefer to build based on ownership. So I take a, a market value approach, meaning that I basically want to build a lineup that makes it so that... I have the highest owned players across the entire slate so that people who are not on those really chalk players have to beat the consensus. So if you play with the consensus in cash games, remember, you you only want to finish, you don't want to finish first in a double up. You basically never want to finish first. That means that you built a lineup that likely was too high variance for cash games. You mostly want to finish like in the 40th percentile, 35th to 40th percentile, you don't really want to finish first. Um, So my strategy is just to say, okay, I'm going to, if I can get every single player in my lineup over 50% owned, that means that the people who are building those high variance lineups then have to beat the consensus in order to cash. Cause I don't actually want to beat people. I just want to finish in the top 49% of the contest. Right. So um, I, I take that approach to it. And I guess that that helps a little bit in terms of skill expression, but um, it's a very very viable strategy, especially in things like NBA and in things like NFL where NFL, yeah. chalk is very easy to um, build up and and it is usually pretty successful in MLB it's a little bit harder right because the the differences in in variations between players are so high that even chalk players fail at such a high rate that 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 doesn't really work so cash games they're they're harder for me in baseball but in NFL and NBA, I, I really like to build cash games that way.
1: Yeah, that's how in um, the Discord that I run, I haven't been doing too much NBA of late. Once the COVID wave started coming, I just gave mm-hmm. up. Every year, I start NBA, and then once all this injury crap happens, I just, like, stop caring. It happens every year with me. And um, But NFL, the, we did that a lot with the ownership deal. It was mm-hmm. like, okay, let's build our lineups. And, like, we, like we'd like be on a lot of the similar builds. we just, like, one versus one, two v two type deals but a lot of it was ownership based 100 or it was like here's the top three quarterbacks try to take one of these three at least here's like so on and so forth and build and it was actually pretty darn profitable overall as a season one it's like so it's exactly what you're saying it's it's if you play the the ownership game you don't have to be perfect because it's one of those if that guy fails well that many people are all failing with you so you're still like not Mm -hmm. getting crushed it's hard to explain that to people until they started seeing it more and more because you know you sit there and there'd be weeks where it'd be like a 70% running back and he'd go out on the third drive with an injury and you're sitting there going, like, cussing at the moon, but you th- you sit there and go, that's 70% of us. Only 49% mm-hmm. of us have to be good to cash. We're still in this, guys. Like, it's not over. That's why you played that person. That was the whole point of that situation. So yeah. it, think, you mentioned think it. About bas- the math. Yeah. Think about the math it? on that really quick. Like, if you have a full
2: lineup of 60% owned players, like every single player in your lineup is 60% owned, that means that if all of them, Get zeros, you still have a chance. Well, not all of them get zeros, yep. but like if if all of them do necessarily badly, maybe one of them does well, you still have a chance to cash. Yep, because they're all okay. 60% owned. So, like, only 40% of the field can pass those players anyway. Now, you're you might not get a full payout, like, yeah. you're not you might not fully double your money, but if you do with fully 60% on players, like. It it is on the own, the onus is on the
1: people who faded the chalk to do better than the chalk, and that's hard to do the entire season. The entire season, yeah, you can do it from time to time for sure, but the entire season, tricky. Uh, so you mentioned with baseball, it is different because the variance, like one for four is a good night, but one guy might go one for four with a double, one guy might go one for four with a three on homer, and that just makes things a whole like that's a big gap in production, and that's just the, the way of the world. So like, like we don't have to go super deep into the philosophy, but when you're building cash in in baseball, are you looking more for like the mispriced players? Are you looking more for the locked in safe pitchers and building around that? How do you kind of go about your cash game builds? I know it could be a, a slate by slate basis too. I get that. But how do you kind of go about it?
0: Mm, I
2: usually focus
1: pitcher first
2: because pitchers are so much more secure. Mm-hmm. And then you build out, you probably want to have like one of the cheap bats that is going to be, you know, really, really popular. But if you start with, if you start with the popular pitchers we start with the underpriced pitchers, say that you start a cash lineup with like Garrett Cole, who is 10.2 K or something like that on DraftKings. And then um, like Luis Castillo last year, there was a point when he was like 6,900 or something like that. Yeah. And of course he was going to get locked in in cash. So if you start there, then you can kind of get an idea of where else you're going to go. Like, okay, so we started there and then the Dodgers are facing the Orioles. So then you're going to plug in Mookie bets and you're going to plug in whatever lefty that they have, whatever left handed bat they have in there. That's platoon hitting. So then you have another two hitters and then, you know, you have the Yankees. So you're probably going to plug in John Stanton or Aaron judge or whatever. And then you can kind of look and see, all right, where are the rest of the values on the slate? Is there a core slate that has a really cheap catcher? Okay, plug him in. It's just once you plug in the pitchers, you kind of have an idea of how much money you can spend on your outfield. And then you have an idea of how much you can spend on your infield after your catcher. So typically I'm going to go pitcher, figure out what my pitcher is going to be. And then I'll look at the outfield, depending on how expensive my pitchers are. Because if I have two 10K pitchers, it's very unlikely I'm going to be able to spend like 5K on outfield. I already know that I'm just going to have to drop down in like the 3K, 4K range in the outfield. And then I'm going to have to punt catcher and then I can figure out the infield. Um, outside of that, outside of like the player picking, the way that you actually build rosters, I think that a, a mistake that a lot of people make when they're building out cash games for MLB is they're trying to correlate too much. Yeah. So in gbps you want correlation yep. because you you want to be focused very heavily on if one team explodes, I do really well in gbps In cash games, you don't don't necessarily want that correlation um, because it puts all of your eggs in one basket. Like if you have four hitters from the Yankees, then you're completely dependent on the Yankees to do well in order to do well in cash games. But if you only have two, and then you have two from the Dodgers, and then you have two from the Pirates because they're cheap, and you have two, yada, 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 um, it, it reduces the variance on your lineup and it raises the floor. So I think that's probably the biggest thing for cash games is that people correlate too much. People raise too much variance in their cash games for uh, for MLB, but outside of that, yeah, just focus on pitchers first and then outfield. Use your pitchers to defend to define how much you can spend in your outfield,
1: and then the rest pretty much just fits into place most of the time. Yeah, I like the comment on the uh, the stacking for sure because people just they focus on that. It's like, oh, it's just a three man stack. I know four to five in a GPP. I'm like, it's still too many. Like you, like you said, your all your eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. If that somehow with the variance, that Orioles pitcher throws seven strong. And mm-hmm. even if they only, if even if he gives up three runs, it's not going to be enough to do a lot for you. So mm-hmm. you're, you're in trouble, and that's just the, the, the brasses of it all. And when it comes to GPP, yes, you want to stack. How do you go about uh, your pitching situation? Are you willing to take more risk? Do you want to lock in good pitchers? I guess it could depend on what stack you want to use because that can be mm-hmm. expensive. But how do you usually go about that? Yeah, usually I look at stack first okay. when it comes to baseball um
2: when it comes to football obviously you have your quarterback and then you build everything off of your quarterback but in baseball um i do focus a lot more on stacks so i will go into my stack projections and the models um and i'll look at the scoring percentages and stuff which we'll we'll show that off later but um i i have a metric called eight plus runs so that measures how often in my simulations a team scores eight or more runs uh which is super self-explanatory, but that's really, really important for upside, outside that's in, in scoring runs. So I'll usually look at that first and, and get an idea, say, um, you know, the, the Dodgers look really, really good. They have like a 23% chance of scoring A-plus runs, but they're really expensive. So then you'll want to look and see, well, what teams are cheap that look like they're going to score a whole bunch of runs? Um, the Astros are on average $3,900 and they have an A-plus runs of 21% but the Dodgers are like on average 4,500 and only have two extra percent. So I'll probably want to go with the, uh, the Astros instead. But after I choose stacks, cause I stacks, I think are more important in GPPs, since a lot of people are going to be plugging in certain pitchers after I choose a stack, the stacks that I really like, I will look and see if there's going to be a bad starting pitcher that people are on just because they want to fit in a, another stack, right? So the the Luis Castillo comment from from before, where he was 6900 my models hated him at that point in the season. Like I was stacking against Luis Castillo like every slate that I could, um, because he was bad. He just he he was missing the the problem was that um, he would get frustrated and then he would start throwing and trying to pump in strikes when he just didn't have the count for it. So batters were just teeing him up just constantly. And even though he throws like ninety nine hundred miles an hour if he wants to, like. That doesn't matter if you can't miss bats. So he was going to be chalked, going to be like forty-five percent owned. So after you've already chosen a main stack that you can put in, and then you identify there's going to be some pitcher that is not really very good that people are going to make chalk just so that they can fit in other stacks. Like maybe people were using Luis Castillo to fit in a Red Sox stack. You could still go with the Red Sox and then just stack against Luis Castillo instead with your secondary stack. So it all starts with stacks, and then pitchers. A lot of times i just look for upside uh, when i go into my metrics i'm going to be looking at projections of course but i'll want to be looking at strikeouts um, i'm going to be looking at range of outcomes so i have a range of outcomes in all of my models um and i and for pitchers specifically it shows how often they're the top scoring pitcher it shows how often they reach different fancy point thresholds like 10 to 15 fancy points 15 to 20 etc i want to try to find um like the example from the models right now is Hwaska no- Wainoa. I have no idea how to pronounce his name. Okay. Um, but he was really cheap on the slate, 6,700, but he had a 25% chance of scoring 15 and 20 fantasy points. So he was just a very obvious pick for me in in terms of this slate just because he's really cheap and he has good upside. So things like that. I really want to focus on upside when it comes to pitchers. And I'm fine eating variants. I'm fine taking on a lot of risk. The big thing I think is making sure that you nail the stacks and hopefully the pitchers come through.
1: I know you kind of talked about it a little bit there, but how much do you factor in ownership projections? Cause there's one thing to like a stack that's going to go off. There's another thing like a chalky stack that's going to go off. And I know that can dictate things. And sometimes chalky stacks is just what it is. Like, like I tell people is you can fade things all you want. A lot of the logic makes sense behind it, but at the same time, there's so much good content out there now that there is good chalk. Like it's just part like in football, especially, like there's just certain a couple of plays here and there you almost feel like you have to play. Like Again, you can fade at your own risk if you want. But um, when you're building, so I know you are very, very um, risk is not upside. Uh, upside play is what you're looking for. How are you building your stacks? Like I know you play on the list of three or four that are looking like good projections, but maybe do you go to the lowest owned? Do you go to the middle owned? How do you go about that?
2: I don't mind eating chalk when it comes to main stacks. I, I don't mind eating chalk in general, so long as I know that there's a way for me to find different. leverage on the field. Yep. So if I am looking at, say like the top build is going to be something like Red Sox with uh, Garrett Cole with Luis Castillo. I'll just keep using that example. Um, usually I won't go with all three of those things. Um, I want to find leverage either in my SP1, my SP2, or my main stack. Um, so if I have Garrett Cole and the Red Sox, I definitely do not want Luis Castillo. If I have Garrett Cole and Luis Castillo, I definitely don't want the Red Sox. If I have Red Sox and Luis Castillo, I probably don't want Garrett Cole. Um, if you are going to do that, if you're going to eat a lot of shock, then you need to find a way to gain a lot of direct leverage after that and probably stacking against, um, another popular pitcher or taking a really, really low owned stack to make it all work like a pirates or a raise or something like that. Um, you just need to have, there needs to be one form of good leverage in MLB. And most of the time, if there's ever a player that's going to be over 30% owned, I just straight up don't want them. Yeah, Like I, I just straight up don't want them that there's on in each individual game. There's about a seven, the best hitters in the entire league have about a 7% chance of hitting a home run in any given game against any given pitcher um, or, or like against the worst pitchers. That's, that's the, I put every hitter in the league up against James Shields the last year of his career and found that even Cody Bellinger, who was having his MVP season only had a 7% chance of hitting a home run that game. So I'm not going to play a 30% on Cody Bellinger. If I don't have to, sometimes if I think there's a lot of really, really good leverage on another pitcher, like say there's only going to be like a 5% owned cheaper pitcher that I identify as having like a lot of upside, or maybe somebody, maybe the entire world is on Max Scherzer, but Corbin Burns is going to be like 4% owned or something. Then it's like, okay, I can I can eat chalk at hitter and take this 3% owned massive upside pitcher. Um, or maybe both pitchers are really, really low owned and I have all that chalk at bats. That's fine, but it never feels good. I, I never like having a, a really really highly owned hitter. It's just that the odds are against you. you're really you're playing against the probabilities and you're playing against the non-binomial, the non yeah. hold on non-binomial distributions when it comes to home runs like you, you just it, it's just bad process I think I, I would always much prefer to have a lower or medium owned stack and eat chalk at pitcher mm-hmm. um, and that's usually how my lineups will end out. Especially at the top end of pitcher, it's just uh, I I really really hate eating chalk at hitter in baseball.
1: We, this is why we uh, we we have so many similarities because so much so much you said there. I've been trying to teach people as well as it's um, I'm okay eating pitcher chalk because variance is all over baseball, but there's a reason why certain elite pitchers are elite. Um, mm-hmm. It's like the old saying that um, you're a very 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 good pitcher if you have every two out of three starts is good. Like, that's how, like, if you just wrap your head around that for a second, like, even great pitchers will have a bad start, but they have much fewer of them. Like, it's simple. It sounds simple, but people, like, overlook that so much. And so that's why they're priced up, and you can kind of eat that a little bit and play the game. And then the other thing you mentioned is I love finding the value stacks, per se. Like, you mentioned the Pirates. The Royals were always involved there. Like, the Tigers had a hell of a run there Mm -hmm. for a while. I'm the biggest fan of that. I remember in my chats, people would be like, Blah, but why are you on the Tigers again? Like, well, i just trust me on this one. Play blah blah blah, and like, or make your pick out of like four of this group. Like, figure it out, and um, just and then you can pretty much be different. You can basically eat all the chalk you want after that. Just knock yourself out, because you said it is. It's it works in all sports, probably even esports. It's all DFS. You can eat chalk as long as you differentiate. And I tell people in golf the most because golf has gotten really sharp. So there's a lot of good chalk in golf. That's just the the, the shame of it all you have six roster spots. I say, if you can be different in two of them, Mm -hmm. you can eat everything else you want. Everything. So I told people this week and it's still round one and a lot can change, but I said, Kevin Kisner is projected to be less than 3% rostered. He eats up Pete Dye courses. Well, he's four under after round one, he could still tank given, but just that leverage alone allowed you to do whatever the hell you wanted pretty much Mm -hmm. with, with your lineup. And so it's just little things like that. And in baseball with the variance, it's so much, so much more important. I think, um, when you mention your stacks or primary stacks or secondary stacks, um, could, when you build your stacks, do you have like a certain spot? Like some people like one through five, some people like this, that, and the other. So I'm like hopping around the lineup um, when you're building your stacks. How do you like kind of correlating your stack?
2: In a perfect world, like two through six okay. in a perfect world. Uh, the leadoff hitter is typically um, fine, but like, leadoff hitters typically don't have a lot of power. And nowadays in the MLB, it's more often that they have power on certain teams, but there's a lot of guys that like I'm fine skipping out on the first. But I I wouldn't even say that I care that much. Uh, I mostly just want to get five guys from the same team. And that's kind of like a taboo thing to say, because even though I talk a lot about correlation and even though I talk a lot about um, making sure that you're maximizing your correlations and GPPs, if the only way for me to fit the Boston Red Sox is to do like a one, two, four, six, nine, yeah. then that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And, and like, I'm just going to eat that up. And then I'll have correlation from nine, one, two. And then I have four and six that are yeah. still sitting there in the middle. But like if a team scores, if you want to win a GPP, your team pretty much has to score like 13 runs most of the time or something like 10, 12 runs. Um, and if a team scores 10 to 12 runs, you don't know where that production is going. Yeah,
1: that's going. why spreading it out sometimes works really well. Yeah, you.
2: you really yeah. don't. And as much as the extra correlation is very, very nice, if you can get one through five, that's great. Awesome. Fantastic. A lot of times that just doesn't work out, especially with the way that uh, you have to stack up two teams, since I'm almost always doing either a 5-3 or a 5-2-1. Um, I, I just think that... However, you can fit those five to maximize the secondary stack because the secondary stack is almost more important. The secondary stack is where you are really, really pushing to have the important parts of that team because there's it's so much more condensed. If my secondary stack is the Yankees, there's no way that I'm not going to have Aaron Judge in that stack. There's like there's no way that I'm not going to have Giancarlo Stanton in that stack. Right. So that secondary stack, I think, is even more important than the first stack. The first stack usually is just building up, okay, what if this team scores 10 plus runs? Um, and then the secondary stack is, here are guys that I think have home run power. Uh, and then sometimes, depending on if my pitchers are way too expensive, I might go four three one, 3 uh, one just in case I need like a cheap secondary stack or a cheap first stack. But every single time, um, I, I'm just really trying to fit I really aim for the correlation. I don't like skipping more than two spots in the order, but if I have to, then I have to. And and hopefully they just put up 12 runs and I, I come out on top on variance.
1: No, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, we keep talking ownership. You make your own ownership projections, right? Um, I do an aggregate of entry
2: projections and then I have a global variable on the back end that I also use. Um, so I I do a whole bunch. I have like six different sources that I aggregate together and then I have an algorithm that kind of like molds it into what I think is right.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, what other tools we got there? Cause I know you got, you mentioned your like eight plus runs. Yeah. I know you have, you know, you have a lineup deal. You have all kinds of stuff, but you, you've got some really cool stuff that I remember checking out before. So what, what do you got there?
2: I have so many things. Can I share my screen? Is
1: that uh, I, th- I don't know if you can. I know I'm able to do that, but I don't know if you can try. Um, I'm going I'm to give it a shot. We're there's gonna- the share button at the bottom. Can you share? Yeah. There you go right there. Add, I, and then I just got to add it. So there you go. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So
2: anyway, um, yeah, this this is what you're going to see when you look at the range of outcomes. There are uh, a couple other things here. There's a P calculator, which you get as, as a monthly subscriber, which we'll talk about soon. That's season long stuff. Yeah. Um, but the main things are the range of outcomes, the strikeout prop model, which will not be free this year. That's just going to be subscribers. So I need to change that. And then the game betting model. But uh, the range of outcomes is the bread and butter, right? So this is, we're going to have team metrics, pitcher metrics, and hitter metrics. The team metrics mostly fit. look at macro stuff. So the background of my model is that I I built up what's called a uh, game level simulation model. So there's a difference between game level and player level simulations. I do player level simulations for basketball and football. Meaning that I focus on top down, I build out projections for players, and then I simulate each player's outcomes, um, you know, 5,000 times. And then I find whatever their medians are, their ceilings, uh, whatever their range of outcomes is, blah, blah, blah. Um, That's player level. Game level means that I'm actually projecting the games as they run. So with baseball, baseball is probably my most powerful model because it is a a game level simulation, meaning that it is simulating the actual games themselves. As if you were to go to MLB The Show and just like go simulate a game, my model is doing the same thing on the back end. So because of that, I can pull a whole bunch of really cool stuff. So this was during the playoffs. um, And that's the example that I have up on the site. So you can see in the the game level stuff, the, the team metrics focus mostly on the macro, like the team level of things. So the scoring percentages tell you Um, who is the average win percentage, like who wins the games most often. So Dodgers 48%, uh, Astros 48%. Who has the top score on the entire slate? Astros 38%, Braves 14%. Uh, What the average hitter projection was, how many times each team had eight plus runs in the simulations. This is the first thing that you'll see. Um, Eight plus runs is the most important thing here and probably the thing that I use the most. But when you're betting, like, you can go and make bets, too. Like, the five-inning lead, how often a team has a lead after five innings. You can go bet on the Dodgers for that. You can bet on uh, their score after five innings. Um, You can bet on the average score. So this is the team, uh, like, implied total, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Astros at five, 4.86, blah, blah, blah. So this captures a lot of really cool stuff. Um, Then when you go over to the team range of outcomes, you can see how often they score different run sets. So the Astros are the top scoring team 38% of the time, but they do score zero runs 3% of the time. Dodgers score zero runs 8% of the time. That's important to know. Uh, The Astros score five runs 16% of the time. They score eight runs 6% of the time, whereas the Braves score it only 2% of the time. So this is really important for understanding the range of outcomes on teams. Because when a team is chalk, right, like if the Astros were chalk, People like, oh, well, they have the highest implied run total. It's like, yeah, but they skills they still score zero or one run ten percent of the time. Like that's important to know. There's ten percent chance that they're going to just straight up flop. There's a twenty percent ch- chance that they only score two runs. So that stuff's really important. And then I also have aggregate stuff here, um where it shows how often teams score the the run plus however many. So score more than zero runs ninety six percent of the time for the Astros. one three runs seventy five percent of the time. Uh, uh, then we go over to the stack projections so this is kind of now we're taking into consider consideration pricing and the players so it shows how the average price of the players on the team and i do DraftKings, FanDuel, and yahoo shows how many home runs it's projected for in the simulations average projection average value so ash shows for the best value on the slate and then the stack ranks so stack ranks are um kind of like that this is what i had originally before i built projections and this stuff is meant to give you a top-down look at teams and show what teams are the best for finding upside. So, like, the opponent Sierra, like the opposing pitcher Sierra, the opposing bullpen slug percentage, um, opposing ex allowed, stuff like this. Th- this is stuff that you would see on, like, baseball reference and, like, okay. uh, fan graphs and stuff like that. But it's still really, really important to give consideration because, like, the Dodgers or the Astros look like the best – uh stack in terms of value in all the other metrics but they're kind of like the third down here right in terms of the the value rank they're the third down behind the red sox and the dodgers um and that's just because the opponent external one per nine is a little bit lower um the opponent like the park effects are a little bit lower the irt is a little bit lower so important context for those things i like using all these things together together and when we get into the actual season and the discord we'll talk more about it uh, then we have the pitcher metrics. So we have projections, we have range of outcomes. Um, the projections are gonna show, again, for betting purposes, you can see how often pitchers are, th- are giving up walks, how many hits they're projected for, how many home runs they're projected to give up, how many earned runs. It also gives you strikeouts and we'll go over and look at the strikeout model here in a sec, but it also gives you projections for each site uh, and then gives you range of outcomes. So how often pitchers are the top overall scoring shows how often they score five to 10 fantasy points, like Chris Sale scoring five, to 10 fantasy points, 13% of the time, um, which is over twice as much as Julio Arias does. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that, really important context. And then we have FanDuel range of outcomes and then pitcher ranks, kind of the same thing as the team ranks. And then finally, we have the hitter metrics. So we have the projections here, which is the main thing now, uh, and then the ranks. So the main thing with the projections that's going to show you hits, it's going to show you how the projections are built up. And then it's going to have the projections over here for DraftKings and FanDuel. Um, and then for the ranks, it's going to show you a little bit more context as to why guys would be good. And also, the ranks can give you a really good understanding of unowned players and underowned players for GPPs. Like, Jose Siri has a really, really good expected home run for plate appearance. Granted, very low sample size on this dude. Um, but still, good ex- expected home run per plate appearance, um, good X slug percentage, good X WOBA, stuff like that. Again, more context for when you're picking players. So that's all the stuff in the actual range of outcomes, which is really, really fun to use. A lot of really good information there. And then we can go over into the strikeout model. And the strikeout prop model comes from the projections as well, comes from the models. And what you'll do is over here, you're gonna have a list of pitchers, right? Whatever pitchers are on the slate. And then you can put in uh the bet that you are trying to beat, right? So let's say that Luis Garcias was uh 4.5. Let's say that he was negative 125 to hit that. It's gonna tell you what the line odds were. So this line, it's gonna tell you what the odds were from the simulation, and it's gonna tell you to bet the over or the under. So the line odds here imply only a 55% chance that he, that he hits it, but the sim odds were 64%. So it's telling you to bet the over. However, if you were to say, put this at like negative 250, then now the line odds are 71%, the sim odds don't think he hits that, so you bet the under. Nice. Um, it's a really, really cool intuitive tool. It's very, very strong. It comes straight from the simulations. So this, the important thing to remember is that this is tied into the projections, right? So these pitchers are going up against the hitters in the projections, so that's how the entire model is being, being built out um i love using this in the season it's one of the reasons why i'm most excited for uh for baseball to come back because I, I love the strikeout you model.
1: could use that for um uh prize picks yeah. that'd be awesome yep. yeah that's big right there
2: and then the uh the game betting model shows everything again this comes from the simulations but it shows uh the money line odds for the players it shows how often i have them winning so i had the braves winning over the astros um the spread odds how often they cover the spread how often they cover so it told you to put down a bet on the braves over the Astros. so it'll show this for all the teams um you can also type in what your money line is that you're seeing so say that the the money line that i have is not the same one that you have maybe you have them at like 120 you can put that in and it's going to change it. Um, if yeah. the book that you were looking at had the braves as favorite, say like 175 then now you don't want to bet them because that the, the money line odds that whatever book you're looking at are too high so All this stuff is built to be usable and changeable by subscribers. So a lot of the things that I build, you're going to be able to enter in different money lines. You're going to be able to enter in different base information. So you can see what it would look like for you specifically. Because I know that a lot of things don't really fit everybody. It's not one size fits all. So I always want to try to give people the option to put in whatever line that they see so they can bet based on their own terms and based on whatever sportsbook they're looking at. So I don't give out information that can't be used by everyone.
1: So, yeah. Well, that's pretty sweet. Like, um, I just let you keep going because there's so much going on there. But <laughs> A, the, the the range of outcomes and all that stuff for DFS, I love. And I love the fact that you were you were hinting at it there. I know when people join, there'll be more explanation and they, all this stuff. But, like, when you mentioned Chris Sale's five to ten point deal uh, basically gives him a better floor potentially. But then if you looked up at Urias, he had better odds to go higher points down the end so it's little things like that the more you get comfortable and that goes into the proper lineup building like james was saying like you start to see different things that stand out because yeah chris seal might be the favorite to get five to ten or the best odds to get five to ten mm-hmm. and he's st- and he actually has great odds to go deeper but uriah actually you know six percent five to ten but you get 15 and 20 17 and he's got some of the best odds to get 20 to 25 and then 25 to 30 so right. it's like a different like it's your gpp versus cash potentially mindset mm-hmm. looking at these two and I think it's a great way without – because you know, there are certain sites you go, like oh, here's your cash list of players, here's your GPP list. But now you can kind of see it in front of you and make your own decisions and build lineups, and I think it makes you a better player because you're having to build them, not mm-hmm. just having someone hand it to you. Like James was saying earlier, that's one of the things I try to tell people. It's like, I'll lead you in the direction. Like, these are the thoughts I have, and I'll answer your questions. But you need to, like, put the pieces together a little bit and see where you're coming from. Otherwise, you're never going to learn. And what, like, like James says, I kind of have fun learning and teaching more than – you know, just like plug and play stuff. But I, I think that's cool. There's a lot of really like the hitter stuff, uh, a lot of intriguing intriguing stuff you got going on there. Yeah, I, I have taken a lot of time to build
2: out these models and I I have built them in a way that people can really like use this stuff to get better and not not even get better at like building lineups, but get better at thinking about DFS. Because when you just look at a median projection, if you look at a median projection of like Julio Rice at 21 and Chris Sale at 19, Uh, Like so many people are like, oh, well, Julio Reyes is the better play. Like, I mean, his median is better, but like, have you looked at how often he actually scores really, really well? Have you looked at how often he fails? Um, Understanding that it is a range of outcomes, that it is not just a median outcome. It's not just that 50th percentile. Um, That's really, really important to know. It's really important to build that into your process and have an understanding of okay, this guy could do really, really well, or he could fail. What ownership do I really want to stake that on? Like like when we're talking about Chris Sale, for instance, if Chris Sale, or no, let's talk about Framber Valdez, right? Frambois Valdez has a 14% chance of getting blown up. My threshold for getting blown up is five points or less in DFS. So he has a 14% chance of getting blown up, but he also has the highest percent chance of going 20 to 25. That that's a huge range of outcomes, right? Yep. Like he's either going to get destroyed or he's going to do really well. If he's really high owned, do you really want to stake a thirty five percent owned pitcher on a fourteen percent chance of getting blown up? Probably not. Maybe a, not. Yeah, if he's yeah. really low owned, though, maybe you do want to stake that with a high chance of having a high outcome.
1: Well, no, so it also shows really, you real, real quick. It also shows you if he is a thirty five percent stack against him. Yeah, because exactly. he has that chance to get blown up. Everybody loves Framber. We all love Framber. He's great. But if he's thirty five percent on with a forty percent chance to get blown up, here's your leverage play right out the gate. Now right. you can go do pretty much whatever you want. So yep. back at yep.
2: you. So that stuff, it's it's just important. I really do try to build my models to make people think about DFS in a more effective way. So I, I think that the the baseball models certainly um, take that to the highest level that I can provide. Really, um, just because this this model is like my baby. It's like literally the largest code that
1: I've ever written, and I love it so much. It's awesome. Like you put, I know you put a lot of time into it, and just looking at the different uh, stuff that you have, and it's pretty intense. And you could, and and you could even, you you have the K model, but if people just kind of set some time aside, you can look at the home run props. You can look at a Mm -hmm. bunch of things just by looking at your model. If they really want to go hard, because I keep using Price Picks, because that's a great one, Like we've all got like kind of little groupings with them, and probably codes and everything. But uh, it's a really good, easy prop bet tool to use but you can use anything any they all have prop bets, and um, you could do a tag like you're on this page right here um the home runs like the guy that projected at home runs or rbis because it'll be like the runs rbis or hits and hits and walks or whatever like there's different props you can kind of look at okay he's projected to do x and y let's see what he does and and things along those lines or even just the projected in points because most of them are scored on DraftKings king style scoring so it, it is a very very cool tool in that regard so Basically what I'm saying, even if you don't really want to play DFS, but you like to gamble, these DFS tools can be used in that nature as well. Yeah, and I'm really trying to push.
2: I'm trying to build some specific models for prize picks as well, Um, just because I I know that a lot of people use it, and I I do want to. I, I think that the way that I build models speaks very well to the way that prize picks needs to be played. So I am trying to build some more things and hopefully I have a price pick specific model for, for baseball. When it starts up, it shouldn't take that long to build because I already have all the data in the
1: back. Yeah. yeah so it's you already it. have everything you pretty much need. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So you're good there. All right. Um, as you can tell on the outline, I said, we're pretty much having an open discussion and we've already gone um, this long. Like I could sit here and talk to, to you forever about this, but I do want to yeah. get to your season long stuff. So do you have any final thoughts on this? Because this, I, I I I always sound like I'm kissing your butt, but it's very, very impressive, especially because for me, as someone that kind of does my independent thing, I love how you've done that. There's like a bunch of big sites and there's a lot of friends we have with these big sites. Mm-hmm. Like they're great people. But the fact you've done this on your own from like the ground up, like your baby, like you said, I think it's truly, truly awesome.
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, closing thoughts, like I – One of the benefits of joining the site and being in the discord is that I don't have a lot of subscribers. I have people, I have a dedicated group and I have a small community that really does want to play and get better and understands how to use these models. So if you want to get better and you want to learn how to think this way and think in a range of outcomes and not just like plug-in picks, then I, I can't think of a better place to do it. I really do think that I build a good foster community that that can teach people how to be better at dfs so um especially with with models like this and like you said uh i have been doing it by myself and i know my models in and out and you know hopefully one day i can i can hire an intern to run these things for me because it does get
1: oh i see your uh, tweets sometimes like when there's stuff going uh, on given or i can only imagine when there's multiple sports going on and stuff it's like ah uh, i have
2: 14 different models that i run. Yeah. 14. You it's you have done 447 one episodes of of your podcast and yeah. just this podcast, and I have probably ran thousands of different slates in yeah. in just the last couple of years. So I can't it, it is
1: it's a labor of love for sure. Well, and people just to like real quick put it into more perspective with the wonderful NBA pr- product we have. Every time there's a late scratch before lock or something, he has to rerun the model to see how it affects things. So you know how chaotic that sport is these days. Just put that into perspective for you. But at least baseball, knock on wood, you usually get lineups like an hour or so before lock. So you can kind of get that kind of rocking and rolling. But uh, let's talk season long. Let's have some fun here because I find this stuff very, very entertaining because and again, it goes back to your DFS mindset of being kind of contrarian on things. Um, your tools are great because they do point out very good points. And I laugh because when you post them, it usually is like stuff that rubs, quote unquote, the majority of opinion differently. And I enjoy it because I like making people have to at least think about it. Like, let's think about why is this the case? And so let's talk about it. You have like an, a- an ADP model, that I think is very, very awesome. So uh, elaborate on that for some people.
2: Yeah. So I, when I look at season long, I'm going to, I'm going to take a different approach at NFL season long this year. Um, but when I look at baseball season long, I don't think that you really have to work that hard. And I I don't want to work that hard when it comes to baseball season long because I don't think that you need to. I think that a lot of people make a lot of really, really easy mistakes just because of their biases and just because of name value. And just because people want certain things to happen and people don't have a really good concept of like projections up against each other. So I went out there and I developed something called adjusted AEP, which is a model that uses an algorithm that creates similarity profiles for players And holds them up against each other and then develops a new adp for players so where they should be drafted based on their similarity profiles so that the idea here is like if people want to take some hitter in with like pick 60 or something like that uh we we want to make sure that you're not paying overpaying for that player right like that's the entire concept of season long. you want to make sure that you are getting values based on who you pick if you pick somebody at spot 100 and you think they should go at 80 that means that you have made value there if you pick somebody at 200 and they finish the season at 140 you made value there but on the flip side if you pick somebody at pick 100 and they finish at 170 you lost value there the entire idea is try to mitigate how much value you've lost in your drafts so this tool Aims to do that in a way that is visualized. So what it does is it'll take a player. Like, let's say,
1: um, who's who's a popular pick right now? Um, let's. Well, do you want like a high pick because Vladimir Guerrero Jr. gets everyone's blood boiling. No, 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 give give me like something in the middle. Give me uh, a, go um, go Alberto Mondesi. Okay. Did I spell that right? Yeah, you're good. I think so. Okay. No, oh, it's A D A L. A D A L. Still misspelled it. Hold on. Uh, B- uh, A-D-A-L-B-E-R out of there. B E R.
2: We're we're just gonna do this some, with someone easier. Yeah. There you go.
1: With, Problem with Lindor. Name. That's a good one. Yes. Yeah. Let's let's just go Lindor. So when we compare, what uh, so, this is doing so is cool. it's
2: saying, one, he's he's valued correctly. His ADP is 43. Real, real quick,
1: which, which ADP are you using?
2: Uh, this is from NFPC. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, I do use, so if I can't find something in NFPC, then I'll use some aggregate of the rest of them and I'll use averages. Okay. But most people I'm going to be able to find. Yeah. So this uses NFBC ADP. His ADP is 42 as of right before this podcast. His adjusted ADP is 43.07. So he's appropriately valued. Um, he has 100% comps with Marcus Simeon, who is being drafted 31, and Cody Bellinger, who's being drafted 83. He has good comps, 89% comp, with Albies, Machado, Teoscar Hernandez, George Springer, and Wiley Adams. Um, the thing that's likely throwing off his ADP the most is being compared with Wiley Adams, who's being drafted at 165, by the way, and compares to Francisco Lindor. Beautiful. So what we're going to want to do after this, after I explain a little bit, is go take a look at Wiley Adams, because, mm-hmm. or Adames. I don't remember how to spell it. Willie,
1: Willie Adamas.
2: Thank you. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so we're going to want to take a look at his. So let's go, let's
1: go do that really quick. This is awesome. I love this. This is such a cool team. It is, it really, because I love, one of the things I love the most, and I literally talked about it on the show last night, was I love being able to compare players where you can find value in a draft, because I think it makes you build the best possible team possible, and I've mentioned biases so many times on that show, like, your opening statement to this is almost like exactly what I said on last night's podcast with someone else, I, I love that's why I love this tool so much. It's it's so important. So we, mm-hmm. we're looking
2: at Wiley Adama is here. So his ADP is 165, his adjusted ADP is 143. So they're right there is automatically, we think that there's a value here. The reason for that is because look at these comps, right? Oh yeah. Like Real Muto, Chris Bryant, Jorge Polanco, Austin Meadows. These are guys who he matches up against very, very well. And when I say that, I mean, just look at him and Real Muto, right? The average, 256 versus 252. OVP, 332, 325. Slug, 440, 440. OPS, same. Total bases, Adamas has more. Home runs, more. Runs, more. RBI, a little bit less, stall bases, a little bit less. And these but are like,
1: your projections, right? Or are you using the these, bat are aggregate. these these oh, are okay. aggregate gotcha. against
2: your industry? Okay. So like that's really, really close. Uh and I understand that JT Renload is a catcher and positional scarcity and whatever, but the, the idea here is that they are
1: basically the same. It type. opens your mind to other possibilities.
2: For so sure. if you are building out based on a category league like a five cat or something like that. And you can get Wiley Adamez at 165 rather than taking Chris Bryan at 81. Why would you ever take Chris Bryan yep. in that case? Like that you're going to get the same stats, same stats or projected to have the same stats with Willie Adamez as you would with Jorge
1: Polanco at 99. That's why That's like, Polanco and Danby Swanson are great comps because they're both shortstops. So yeah, like you can exactly. straight up, just look at those. If people want to like get nitpicky about positions, mm-hmm. there's two guys right there.
2: Yep. So you're, You are either, and you can look at this two ways, right? You can either say you are overpaying for Jorge Blanco here, who has essentially the same projection as Wiley Adama's. Or you can say that you are underpaying for Wiley Adama's at 165 because he has the same projection close enough as somebody like Jorge Blanco. So the way that this works, when we are looking for comps, we have the threshold here. So this is saying, and I have little tool tips in here. Um it's looking for a 10% match between each one of these categories. The proximity is how how many matches it needs to have in order to be a comp for a player. So we can actually adjust those. When you go get a subscription to the site, a monthly subscription, I should say, because I, I have sold this tool in the past for $35. Um, and a monthly subscription now is30 dollars. And if you use the code double dom, all caps, you can sign up for a monthly subscription for twenty dollars right now, and then still have access to the stool, which is fifteen dollars off. You've already made money. Blah blah blah. Whatever. And you got one ready-
1: month for draft season, folks. This seems yeah. like a pretty simple thing to do. <laughs>
2: yeah, pretty pretty easy. Um, but what you can do actually? So, say that uh, we wanted to go back Francisco Lindor. If I can spell it right. So when we compare him right now, spelled that wrong. Here. One day I'll I'll
1: spell everything correctly. You just need to create a drop down with every player's option, and I can do that too. Yeah. And I just haven't. Maybe I'll do that today. Like after I, that. I know you can. That's why I wasn't worried about. But like that just solves every problem. It does. <laughs> um, so if you
2: have this right, like this is ten percent mac. This is ten percent matches. If you wanted to say okay, well, but what if I wanted to have a little bit wider of a net? You can change this to twenty percent, and you can rerun, and it's going to open things up. Holy a crap. So now yeah. you have a lot more matches because it's within 20%. Yeah. Right? Um, if you wanted to say, no, I only want things that are really, really close, you can go 5%. And then you don't have any matches because it's yeah. like it's just too close. But I, I have found that 10% and 80% is a really good match to give you very, very close projections on a lot of different guys. Nice.
1: Um,
2: the other cool thing that you can do, say that you think that Francisco Lindor is better than this, right? You can go over to the user boosts. You can go into this drop down and type in Lindor here. Then you can give him boosts. Say that you think that he deserves a 10% boost to his average. Say that you think that it's a 5% boost to his slide. Basically what
1: James is saying, you can can make your own customized projection basically.
2: Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Say that you think he's gonna steal 10% more bases and have 10% more runs. And then you go over to the comp sheet and then you run And now it's going to give you a little bit better of an adjusted ADP. All of a sudden,
1: Jonathan India shows up. That is really interesting. Now it's a whole different set of players. That is interesting. I like this. That's one thing I I hate being to cut you up, but that's one thing that we talk a lot about with these projections, and you aggregated them, which helps a ton. But it feels like playing times the toughest thing to predict. So you can do like playing or like projection per plate appearance, basically. Yeah. But if you believe someone's going to play twenty more games, just because you know what the the computer made the projections doesn't understand how a situation on a team change for playing time. Now you can adjust, like you're saying, boost them. And that opens up so much more. Uh, yeah. That, that's a cool little tool as well. And that's, that's a new thing added this year. Um, I wanted to make sure that
2: people could have that kind of control and we've been doing hitters on this, right? But you can do pitchers too. So um, say that you wanted to look at pitcher comps. Um, you don't have to change anything else. Here. You just type in the pitcher. And now you're going to say compare pitchers instead. And then you can see, okay, Joe Musgrove, ADP of 90, adjusted ADP of 92. Looks pretty good. But then you look through this list and you say, oh, well, Tark Scooball is on this list. He's at 184. Let's see uh, how he looks when we run this. Tark Skubalk. Hey, his adjusted ADP is only 145. So he looks pretty good. He looks like pretty good value here. Um, and then you can do that for you can do that for anybody that you want. Um, When you're looking at just individual things. And these are the things that I post on Twitter. Whenever I see somebody like saying, oh, well, why would I want this guy instead of this guy? And then I go and I do this and I say, well, because of this. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes people have a really good point of saying, why would I want this guy over this guy? Sometimes people are kind of having some biases there or they Mm -hmm. think that the boosts need to be applied or something like that. Like um, Vlad over at uh, at FTN, he was talking about how he thinks Cody Bellinger should be so much better this year. So I put in a 10% boost on everything. And then it matched what he thought he should have been drafted at. So things like that are really important.
1: But I, I, well, I like that because it's not just us changing the projections like we think. is. A lot of the times when you draft, you've done so much research. You know the game, blah, blah, blah you're sometimes taking guys on the assumption that, hey, they had a down year, but I expect them to do this. So again, you're changing the projections per se, but like what Vlad's thought is, well, you know, Bellinger had a messed up shoulder. He's recovering from last year. Now he should be healthy. He might not be the MVP, but let's look at him as like a, in between the MVP and just the garbage that was last year. And like you said, you boosted it a bit and now it's like, okay, this is Vlad's conversation. Obviously on Twitter, those conversations get astrued, but um, like you just took two seconds out of your day and, blah, blah, blah. Boom. Now it made sense to the world.
2: Yep, exactly. So Cody Bellinger, for that example, he has an adjusted AP of 79 if you just use his base stats. But if you go in here and you boost him to whatever you feel like boosting him to, we'll just boost him 10% across the board here. Then we run that again. Now he has an adjusted AP of 15, which is miles better, right? Like but he's projected really, really well against guys like Luis Robert, Kyle Tucker, Manny Machado now, rather than being projected guys that he was before. So yeah. it, it's just a it's a really, really good way to get a look at the, uh, the comps that you can make and the values that you can find. One of my favorite things to do on this really is to like compare and then see guys that, compare against these guys that look good and then rerun with them. So say somebody like Ian Happ, Right, Ian Happ has an ADP of 220 right now, but he's comparing pretty well with Cody Bellinger. So then when I run him, look at this value. Like his, his oh, ADP wow. is 220. His adjusted ADP is 117. He compares to Yelich, Chris Bryant, and Austin Meadows. And you can get him 220. Things like that I think are really, really cool to do with this. Um, but this is only one part of the tool, right? So yeah. this is comparing individual players against the rest of the league. You can also do a run of uh, all of the hitters or
1: pitchers within a certain
2: range or the entire thing.
1: Okay, that's so, kind of what I was wondering there, that that makes it even cooler. Cause when you're drafting, obviously I'm in round 11, mm-hmm. well, I'm not gonna jump hundred picks, but where's my value? Okay, that, right. I like that a lot, cool.
2: So you can do pitchers and hitters individually. Like say that it, we only wanted to look at the top 50 pitchers. You can put in 50 here and then you can go pitcher ADP run. And this is gonna look at the top 50 pitchers based on ADP, and it's going to compare them against each other. So you can see here, like, the model, which, by the way, last year the model was on Robbie Ray. This year it's Jose Barrios. Like, that it makes me feel loves, good because I have a ton
1: of Jose Barrios already. It so. loves Jose Barrios. This it, year. it
2: compares <laughs> him against all the aces. It thinks that he's the guy who can break out and find that ceiling. It's always been a consistency problem, so it loves Jose Barrios this year. But when you're looking at this, we just ran the top 50 pitchers, right? So in the top 50 pitchers it finds that the two best values are Shane Bieber and Jose Barrios. The worst value right now is Garrett Cole, whose ADP is 10. He should be taken 29th overall. Walker Bueller looks like a really negative value as well. So his ADP is 18. His adjusted ADP is 50. So you can look at this and look at just pitchers or hitters. You can do that either way. Or you can go in and you can build a full draft board with a full adp run and this takes about 45 seconds to run because there's a lot
1: That's well, a lot of stuff and, and and while it's running real quick um mm-hmm. just so people know the projected values it's based off the pro- aggregate projections correct so it's not like james has a complete bias right. against certain players before they start coming with the pitchforks going hey no blah 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 so much better it's right. legit. Just like he's not even factoring into this. Basically, this yeah. Is just, I don't. Care. This is just the numbers. I, I don't care at all. I don't yeah, care about I, your favorite. I, team. I, I just want to make that clear to people. Be like, this has nothing to do yeah. with this. Like, this is legit. Just the numbers talking. Mm-hmm. This is just yeah. math. It's just yeah. math talking. So, uh,
2: and, and like to to take that even farther, this is based on draft value. So the important thing to remember with that is when we're looking at, um, or no, it's based on auction draft value. Sorry, auction mm-hmm. draft value. So the important thing to remember that is that the higher picks are much more valuable than the lower picks. So it's going to say that. Like, if you have, say, Fernando Tatas Jr., model hates Fernando Tatas Jr. It has him as the worst value overall in the entire thing. Uh, has him being taken 38th overall, and people are taking him first. So he's a massive negative value. But he only has a difference of 37. Whereas, like, uh, let's find another person who's around the same. So Freddie Freeman's being taken 14th, but his adjusted ADP is 45. He's not near as negative of draft value just because he's not taken first overall. You have to dedicate so much of your equity into that first overall pick that taking somebody like Fernando Tatas Jr. is a massive negative value in this model just because of the way that he comps against other people. But this is a full draft board. Right. Like this is going to go through 500 players and and show you guys who should be taken much higher, guys who shouldn't be taken much lower, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then you can actually sort it by that. Right. So you can take this sort and you can sort by value. Shohei Otani the top value overall, and that's because it counts both his pitcher and his hitter stats. So caveat there. But then you have Adalas Garcia, Hunter Renfro, John Gray, say Kikuchi, Bobby Witt Jr. These guys are all really good values in drafts. You can then sort by negative. So you can go smallest to largest. Oh, Jazz not Chisholm my Jr. guy. Oh. No. Oh, well, this, this is actually this is the naming convention thing. So this, this his because his adjusted AP shouldn't actually be 1,000. It's just because it uh it's the wrong name. So if you were to have Jazz Chisholm, which I'll fix after this podcast, um, it, it probably wouldn't be this negative. Okay. But then you have C.J. Abrams, you have Ronald Cunha Jr., who should be taken 38th. Devin Williams, Salvador Perez, who has been kind of like trendy because he had that year last year. Models don't think he's going to have that year. So him being taken 38th, he should be taken 109th overall. Okay. This is just how these things work out when you look at the actual value. And then you can sort by adjusted AP back to the top down. And then you can just use this to be a straightforward draft throughout an entire draft.
1: And again, like you don't like for the listeners, you don't have to like draft them in this order. But what it tells what it tells you is, you know, use the ADP, then use this ADP, like adapted ADP, Mm -hmm. and you can find when to maybe jump and get a guy, or you can find where the value is and wait instead of drafting the you know Lindor at one spot, save your shortstop spot for William Domus later on or something. Mm -hmm. It tells you so. Then when where Lindor would have been drafted, you can go and take a pitcher or something else. Like that's the whole idea. It's another tool in the belt to help you make a more complete team and maximize your picks. That's the deal. It's not like straight up go one through 20 off this list.
2: What I told people to do last year is somebody like Jose Barrios. Like you don't, it's not saying that you should absolutely take him at 35. This is basically saying the earliest that you could take them is 35. And then you have 37 picks now between that and his ADP to, to pull that trigger. So if you don't want to spend your 35 on him there, just wait until the next round or yeah. wait until the round after that. He'll probably still be there. Um, likewise with Fernando Tasis Jr., it's not taking saying that you absolutely should not touch him ever, it's just saying that like at 38, that's a much more that's a much better use of your draft capital than at one. Same thing with Freddie Freeman, same thing with like Mike Trout. Mm-hmm. Mike Trout, his ADP right now is 13. It's saying that maybe if you can wait, you should wait one round to take him, which hurts my soul, by the way, yeah. um, because I love Mike Trout with everything. But uh, it's saying that you should probably try to wait one round if you can. If he's still there, that's awesome. If not, you probably didn't miss out on all that much.
1: Yeah, no, I, I love it. It, it. it brings to my mind that uh, so many things I try to do when I am getting ready for season long. When I talk about it on my podcast, all those things about – like one of the one of my article my series i'm doing right now on vantrax is adp analysis and i compare i just wrote an article edmund versus wong i don't know how they compare on yours but adp wise they're over 100 picks apart and if you just look at projections they're very similar players like edmund had a peak season wong had an injured season it's one of those deals though you can't predict injuries you got to imagine some regression and the projections factor all that in and they're very similar ball players. Mm-hmm. um and so why are you spending like 110 picks earlier on Tommy Edmund? Like It's just just a conversation, not saying you can't do it, not that you shouldn't do it. It's just to open the mind to other options. Like James is typing in Tommy Edmond right now. We're going to run an ADP check on him. And apparently the 10% mark is, uh, is, is his world. It's his jam. So he, he rates out very well on uh, James. But then it's adjusted so ADP. It pushes yeah.
2: back to Akil Badu if you go to 20%, try 15%. Just a okay. kill dude. So, interesting yeah a killed dude that's an interesting one and yeah and it's mostly the average that is the difference here but like if you look across a lot of similarities a lot of similarities Yeah. and then colton wong yeah 279. so yeah. It, it drops down to in the middle of those two they're very similar there's there's very little reason to yeah i the model agrees to on that
1: and that's just kind of what i try to point out this model doesn't much easier than me writing a bunch of gibberish on, on something. And it it was so quick. If if you do uh if you're just listening through the podcast, obviously all these shows are on my YouTube channel. Like this is a great one to check out on YouTube because James has shared his screen and runs you through it. And if you become a member with Double Dong, he'll run you through it even more. He's got all the tools, but it literally took seconds to to erase a name, type in a name, hit a button, and it just boom boom. It's all right there. So it's not like you have to do a bunch of crazy stuff. It's pretty, pretty simple and um, pretty darn awesome. So I'm, I am a fan. Thank you, sir. I put, a, I
2: put a lot of thought into this. And this this tool, like you can download this. Like this is this lives on your desktop and this is yours after you buy it. So after you get a subscription, you can just download this and then you can just... At, at, every single day I pull in the info for the aggregate and all you do is just go up here, hit the refresh all. It's gonna run a little background carry down here. Then as soon as that's done, what you're gonna do is hit fix names and then that goes through and fixes things like the jazz chisel issue, which I'm going to add him after this, but then you're good to go. Like it's all updated. All the ADPs are updated. All the projections are updated. Everything's updated. So it's, it lives on your desktop. You can do whatever you want. after that.
1: That's pretty darn awesome. Pretty darn awesome. Um, do you have anything else going for season long? Cause this is plenty, honestly, this gets you everything you need to do, but do you have any plans to do more with season long? Or are you uh, sticking with this? And then when, when season starts, it's DFS season. Definitely sticking with this.
2: Uh, I think this is more than enough in terms of like setting you up for success in drafts and especially in best ball. This is a really, really, really good tool for best ball. And
1: That's a great point. I didn't even think now, about it that way. Now yeah. that
2: the season has been officially started and like ratified, I'm going to be jumping into into best ball contests and using this for every single draft. It's just, it, it's so good, especially for best ball, just because you can make those choices very, very easily. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to do the waiver wire stuff afterwards, right? So you're just building a team based on this stuff, and then just letting it ride. Um, and and that's that's more than enough for that kind of thing. I, who knows? Maybe I'll have somebody come in and guess right or something like that in the middle of the season for for waiver wire pickups. But after DFS starts, it's full DFS. I wish that I had more time for for other stuff in season, but I just straight up don't.
1: Yeah, I get it. Trust me. I get it. Uh, them, the things, but you do the DFS so well, I wouldn't really want to go too far from there. Yeah. Um, let's hit up a few listener questions, and we will uh, wrap this bad boy up. Our buddy Yancey Eaton says, first off, high sex spots. Um, has James scra- scra- scrapped, I think he meant scraped, but scrapped anything from a data standpoint this year that just didn't yield the results he was expecting or ended up being just a massive waste of time?
2: Yeah, okay, so I was thinking about this because I, I saw this question on twitter and i think the main thing that i tried to pull in was mma data because i was going to try well, to That build, could be
1: tricky i could see that being tricky
2: i was going to try to build a leverage model for mma after talking to blender a whole bunch on the on the roto show um i was going to try to build a leverage model for it so i was trying to pull in vegas information and i was trying to pull in like the finishing odds and like the go the distance odds and everything like that but the the way that it came together was just so jumbled and just unusable. And it took me like three hours to build the scrape. And I understand, like when I say three hours, that's time to me. I, like yeah. if something takes me more than half an hour to put together, that that is a meaningful investment for me to, to put together the code for it. Put together a code for it for like three hours came out just super jumbled. I just could not get it to sit the way that I wanted to 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 go into the data tables that I, the way that I wanted to and since I was trying to aggregate together multiple different sites for it it just wouldn't update on its own like I put it together and I was happy with it for one week and then the next week I tried to refresh it and it was completely out of order and I was like I I don't care whatever dude I I hate MMA I'm never touching it ever again <laughs> so yeah it's it it's not that I couldn't use the data that I was getting. It's that if I wanted to use it every single week
1: I would have to rewrite the code to get it. Yeah.
2: And from an automation standpoint,
1: that's not the purpose after a while. The purpose just, is the purpose is to build the model or code that you can click a couple buttons and boom and that's just have I'm it to
2: do. and just have it yeah i'm yeah, building a i'm building a madden sims model right now that's just going to oh, be you just you click de- a button you degenerate refreshes everything in the model and it, like that's the goal you press three buttons and you're able to build a lineup and that's fine if i'm going to build for a niche sport that's what i'm going to do press three buttons i have a lineup that i can build that's it uh, if it's anything more than that, yeah, I consider it a waste of time. So I did, I completely dropped the MMA leverage model because I just didn't want to build a robust enough scraper for it. And I, I, just couldn't get it together.
1: Okay. Besides Madden Sims, uh, do you have any other like new tools? Are you trying to expand on any sports you have now? Like PGA, I, I know you got tennis going on. Is there anything else you're trying to do enhance basically?
2: Um, yeah. So like, like I said, I'm trying to build prize pick specific stuff. Okay right now so that's kind of like my main thing uh i should be building optimizers but i just hate optimizers right now I've i want to defeat the, the purpose
1: one. of what you want to do is teach people how to build lineups kind of
2: yeah well i mean but the point is like when you own a site people yeah. want to optimize they want the total package yeah yeah i get it and, and like i get that and believe me people i hear you i'm trying but god i'm t- i the end the nba one broke the other day and it tilted me to the moon, and so I just like removed it from the site. And, like, yeah, this I didn't you know, like This is where
1: you need an intern to help I'm you like, with like, other I'm
2: things. I'm pulling it off. I'd, I'll work on it, but I'm like, if I can't have it consistently up there, I don't want it up there at all. So I should be building that, but I'm building the prize pick specific stuff right now. Um, yeah. I do want to try to build a NASCAR model here soon, yeah. I think. Um, I did build recently some updates to the PGA model as well, allowing people to build on build together some lineups um, on the models and pulling in overall golf ranking so that you can get a better idea of the values that you're putting into your lineups. Um, but no, I mean, most of what I am trying to do right now is find ways to re- to repay the community for being so awesome. So like, I really want to try to make it a way to where like I can build some referral codes or I can build some coupons or something like that to where if a subscriber is able to get somebody other somebody else to subscribe to the site, that they are making money off of that person as well off of that person's subscription. I mean, so like, I'm trying to just make better systems that repay the community a little bit better because I'm nothing without the subscribers that I have. I'm nothing without the community that I have and the people who support me. So uh, I'm mostly trying to focus on that and, and you can go to the discord and like every week, somebody will ask for something if if I can build this or if I can build that and I'm always receptive because I just want to build the best models that people can can have and, and that the best models that people don't want to go anywhere else for. So that's, that's my thing. I'm
1: always just trying to, to upgrade for people's wants and needs. I love it. I love it. Uh, Junior Jr. asks which team or player benefits most from the universal DH? Oh man. Um, it's a loaded question because we like the easy answer, the Dodgers probably because they have so many veterans that'll move things in and out, but yeah, there's, there's, you have to go team by team, and it's, it's, there's a million articles on it. I'll tell you that much. Um, I'm sure. Uh,
2: I think the team that benefits the most from the universal DH is the fans.
1: There you go. There you <laughs> go. Because we don't need to see pitchers hit anymore. We get to see all that happen. So it's yeah. probably the Dodgers. It, it is. is
2: probably the Dodgers That's, or yeah. Twins is the other one that I was thinking of. Just the because the, the Twins have such strong DH options. And and the uh yeah, pro- probably those two, like top of my list. But I, I have to look farther in. I'm gonna start baseball things like tomorrow. So yeah, I'll probably but... have better answers to that later. But the, the real answer is is the fans because pitchers
1: hitting is just fucking terrible. It is, it is. And then Nunya Biz asks he's got a fourteen team OBP keeper league, three hundred dollar budget. Uh, for 30 players, he needs one of these remaining keeper options. So out of these guys, who would you like to keep? Kyle Schwarber for $11. Votto for $11. Mitch Hanniger for $11. Alberto Mondesi for $14. It's an OBP league, so Schwarber and Votto are much better in OBPs. Mondesi's an injury mess, and Haniger could be an injury mess. Schwarber. Yeah.
2: That's I, like, I, lean. I like Schwarber... A, a little bit more than the other ones. I think for me, it's either Schwarber or Hanager. I'm not, I'm not keeping Votto. I know that because like, I just don't think like, it's so hard to turn back the clock like he did last year and do it again the, the next year. Last year, I think is, is very obviously a, a, a regression waiting to happen year and a super big outlier. So I, I don't trust Votto this year. Um, Mondesi, obviously, the upside is just massive on him if he can ever just stay healthy. But I, I don't know. I, I guess it depends. Like it for me, it's probably that's hard. It's between those three, but it's hard. I think it it has a lot to do with the rest of what your lineup looks like. If you need upside, you have to go with Mondesi. I think Haniger is fine. Schwarber is fine. Schwarber's not going to do what he did last year, where he hit a home run every single day either. Um, I think Mondesi has the most upside of them. I think that Schwarber has the best floor, and I think that Hanager is a fine option. It's likely between Schwarber and Mondesi, depending on if you need floor upside from that player.
1: Yeah, I lean uh, I lean Schwarber there for sure. Votto, I love. If it wasn't a keeper league, I'd say go ahead and grab Votto, but yeah, uh, he's not going to be long for the tooth much longer. It right. could happen this year, as as James said. Yeah. So it's probably Schwarber or Handiger for me, and I'd probably go Schwarber just because, even the, if the home runs cut back, which they should, his OBP skills are pretty darn elite. Yeah. So, um, I, I'd go he's, that. Direction. He's definitely the best floor of of yep. those four. Most definitely. Well, James, this will wrap up another wonderful time chatting with you as always. Uh, before we head on out of here, again, plug the site, plug your promo code, plug all the good stuff you got going on.
2: Yeah. PayDirtDFS.com. Again, that is the new site. If you know me from the Ghost.io site, then go over to PayDirtDFS.com. If you sign up for a monthly subscription with code DOUBLEDONG, all capitals, uh, you'll get 10 months off of your first month. You can check out all of the models. Uh, Again, it's every single sport. It's not just baseball. So everything that I offer there is included in the subscription. If you have not already bought Theory of DFS, go buy that. It'll make you a better player. Everything that I build is is to make you a better player. And um, the Discord is free. So if you want to hop in that, um, I tweeted out a link today. I'll tweet out another link uh, after this for the Discord. But uh, you can find a link to that on the site as well under the nav bar, nav bar for Discord. Um, it's free to be in. We talk all day, every day in different channels. Um, very active. Lots of people help. So, yeah, just all, all of those things,
1: all the things. And happy, happy day that baseball back. Yes, happy it's back, and I'm happy to chat with you, my friend. So, everybody, make sure you check him out again on Twitter at Paydirt underscore DFS, and check out the website, PaydirtDFS.com, as you can tell, lots of great stuff that um, you can do to become a better season-long player for your draft season and, most importantly, a better DFS player. Um, it's a big, big brain James has over there, and he's got all the goods, not just for baseball. That's the that's one of the best parts as well is you might sign up for baseball and you get all the other sports, and all of a sudden you're like, you know what, it's Thursday, and we have a three-game slate Let's see what esports are going on. Or let's see what like and all of a sudden you're addicted to this. Like it's that's the beauty of it. Cause some sites it's a sport by sport specific thing, and that just kind of I think is a silly model. So check it all out. And uh we will do this again sometime, James. I appreciate it. Yeah, we will. We should. And we should for sure. Everybody, this was Bench with Bubba episode four forty seven with the one, the only James McCool. Catch you all later.